IS Cool Button Hockey Podcast episode 66. Mario Lemieux is underway. Craig, it was a Mario Lemieux type night in Calgary. You were there, so I will Gretzky a pass to you. The Oilers going to use Gretzky, although McDavid's like Gretzky. When it was 6 6, I really don't care who wins, but I jump for joy that a 5 1 6 2 game was tied. But at that point, the Oilers were, at that point, the Oilers wished Harry Sinden pulled the lights out of the building so they could just go home at 6 6 and resume the game. Don't let the score fool you. It was an old fashioned beep, kicking last night. Well, uh, it, it's hard not to start with Connor McDavid. So, so I will start there because he, he, he's spectacular. He, he is absolutely spectacular. The th- three goals last night that he was his goal, plus the two, two of his assists. I, I mean, it's just phenomenal. You watch him play and he, he every game you go to watch him play, he, he, he does something else, something more that makes you, uh, you know, just leave in a wow moment. He he just did that. I mean, th- th- that play he made off the faceoff. I'm watching it. I'm going. He's coming to the net, and and the edge work, the way he spins D- Dylan Dubé away and just feeds, you know, Evan Bouchard. It's unbelievable. The magic hands on the on the first goal. It, it's phenomenal to watch him play. But what's even more phenomenal, and, and and I say this with the greatest respect for the best player on the planet, is. He was in the fight last night, Steve. On when he was in every fight. I can only tell you this other than number 18, Zach Hyman, he didn't have anybody else in the fight with him other than Zach. And, and like you're watching a game where, like, the Calgary Flames don't let the score fool you. They pummeled the Edmonton Oilers, they pummeled them. You know what? Like, in, in slot shots, inner slot shots, cycle chances, everything. Markstrom. Brutal two goals, McDavid brilliance on, on, on so much of the play. That's the only reason Edmonton got six goals. And if Edmonton thinks they're going to be able to play like that and beat the I don't know how they find a way to beat the Calgary Flames. I know they have McDavid. That's one reason. And number two, if the Calgary Flames are going to play loose and fast with the details like they did last night in some areas, then that, that would be Edmonton's chance. That defense, nowhere near as good as Dallas's. Couldn't handle any of the pressure. They couldn't handle any of it. Just under siege. 660, you said they should have done Yeah, you know what they should have done? Oh, he didn't have his timeout. He had to use it in the first minute of the game to get his team settled down. That's what he, because right after they tied at 6-6, what did Calgary come right back and do? Uh, okay. Okay, you think you're close. Don't let the score fool you. They were never close in terms well, of play. Well, there's, there's the... The Oilers team defense, their six-man units, uh, what you talked about giving up, you know, glorious scoring chances. And, it, it, you know, that switch doesn't just go off. Like, it's not – there's Savard, Robinson, LaPointe aren't showing up. It's not – there's no Kevin Lowe. It doesn't work that way. You know, if they could have switched goalies and said, this is a good time to bring in Stuart Skinner just to say it's 6-6. Thank God it's 6-6. You know, it's like the international events when somehow Latvia or Kazakhstan ties Sweden or Finland or Canada, and it's like, uh-oh, and then the switch goes back off. How do you then allow Rasmus Andrew? You might as well just drop the puck there and said, here you go. It's like allowing Tiger Woods in his prime to tee off from 150 yards down the fairway. Like, are you 
what did, how long was the score tied for? Two minutes? A minute? Like, give yeah. me a break. The start of the game, watch Kane give the puck away to Richie. And you talk about being in the fight. How do you have to drag? I get you have to drag at times. I'll mention names, maybe a, a Kovalev or McGillney at times into a fight, a Kent Nielsen. Come on. You have to drag multiple players into a fight? You can't go to war like that, Craig. You, if I'm on the front line, I watched the movie the other day, 1917. That's a great movie. Isn't you that got, a good movie? That's a great movie, you know? So well done. It makes you feel like it's 1917. I'm thinking, <laughs> It's too many to visit the first ever NHL game since it's 1917. I'm looking around going, oh, my God, we're in trouble here. Like, retreat. If I'm looking around, if I'm McDavid looking at Hyman, you're going, this isn't good. So, look, series have changed, right? The Penguins, Rangers, it can change, right? So, one game doesn't a series make, especially on the road. I can't wait for Friday just to see who shows up and then what happens next. But at least for the kids, the Bruce Boltons, the, the Jay Cons, the Tyler Matarads, you want to give them excitement for those born in 89-90-91, the Battle of Alberta. And I loved how the American friends that we have were over the top enjoying the craziness. And you were there, Craig. Oh, it was something special to watch. So a couple of things. You know, I was there in 1991 in game seven. The, the Flames jumped out to a 3 nothing lead. And, you, and, and then Esatikin had scored a goal from center ice at the end of the first period. And it kind of gave life to the Edmonton Oilers. And I'm going like, I cannot believe that I'm in these two games 31 years apart <laughs> between these two teams in the playoffs. I mean, that's a lot of time span. And, you know, people might look at me and go, geez, Craig, you really haven't aged very much in those 31 years. You look as young now as you did then. <laughs> yeah, right. Anyway, but, but it's funny when you go back and look at it. Steve, there was a moment in the third period that I think told the tale of the game. It was after, it was after a whistle, and, and Mike, Michael Stone got into uh, uh, Connor McDavid's grill. Leon Dreisaitl skated away. And Darnell Nurse stood at the top of the circle in the offensive zone and watched. And I said, there's the picture of this game. One guy in the fight, and the other player is just like, oh, well, Friday night, we'll see what we can do. Well, those can you are imagine Connor McDavid, you know, there's Michael Stone, you know, grabbing him, facing the thing. Like Darnell Nurse standing at the top of the circle. What, 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 what were you hoping for? To keep the face off in the offensive zone? Oh, it wasn't about that at that point in time. Zach Cassian at the end of the game going after Lucic? Are you kidding me? Like, Zach Cassian, like, do you know what his participation was last? Do you know what I call it? Dressed but did not participate. <laughs> that was Zach Cassian last night. Well, at if, least if you're going to have two players like that. And at least Kane went after Lucic when Lucic hit McDavid. And they were taking chunks out of McDavid. And for oh. Dreisaitl... And nurse to watch says a lot of things, one of which as a mini excuse could be, is they're not healthy enough to be in. I saw you and Ryan were shocked. Like, I, I, I don't know what, if they're saying I've got X amount of my tank. I can't use it here. Or if they say I've got X amount of my tank, I must use it here. I mean, I know what I would have done, but they took chunks out of McDavid. So at least Kane, at least Kane came after Lucic after Lucic ran McDavid. I'll give Kane credit. Once. 
<laughs> once. Wow. A 60-minute game where you're getting your butts kicked all over the ice, right? They want to know part of the fight. They were conveniently – they were so much of the time second to the puck and second to space. I'll tell you what, if they play like that on Friday night, it, it's going to be an abomination. Yeah. Connor McDavid, like, you're in the fight, and this is what you're watching? Like, sorry, I'm not telling, I'm not telling any player – to sit there and say, go in there. Like, you know, I'm not asking Leon Dreisaitl. You get over there. You get over there. Darnell Nurse, you get in there. It's Michael Stone, uh, you know, in, in, in your captain's grill. Uh-uh. Not happening on my watch. Is the toughness of the Flames number one in the league? Like, can Zadorov, um, Stone in for Tanev, um, we've talked about Good Branson, are the Flames the toughest, but a team that can have those guys who can play? How Stone was used last series bodes well for Daryl Sutter. Looks like, it, you know, you have your seventh defenseman, you bring him in, you need him, no Richie. Like that, to me, the 11 and 7 allows you to, to then use the 7 as the 6 when you need them, as opposed to saying, I've never played this guy. Now I need to call upon him and say, do you mind coming into the fight, even though I haven't really used you? You know, it's one thing to be tough, but you got to be able to play. Like with Toronto and Wayne Simmons at the end, he couldn't play, couldn't use him, couldn't play. Are the Flames modern, tough, number one in the NHL with the guys that they've got? The Luchichis, Goodbranson, Zadorov, and they can play. Steve, Blake Coleman, Michael Backlund, Andrew Mangiapane, they're in the fight, Steve. Toughness is about being in the fight. Competitiveness is being in the fight. Competitiveness isn't running over everybody. It's saying, I'm going to win that puck. Competitiveness and being in the fight and being tough is saying, I'm going to pay the price there. I'm going to get to that space. That player is not going to beat me there. Yeah, I know Gabranson and, and Zadorov and those guys, they all play hard. They all are in the battle. I know Lucic is bigger than Goudreau. Goudreau's in the battle. Goudreau's in the fight. They're, all, they're relentless, Steve. The pressure they put on opponents in the offensive zone, it never ceases. The, the, the Dallas Stars defense is, is better than the Edmonton Oilers defense. And they were overwhelmed. And if it wasn't for Jake Ottinger, that series would have been over like long ago. But Jake Ottinger was, was out of this world great. Edmonton doesn't have a defense as good as uh, Dallas's. And they don't have goaltending as good as Dallas's. <laughs> that's a problem. Tell me how that gets fixed when you're playing against a team that puts relentless pressure on you in your own zone. How are they? What, what, like you just said it. Are Kevin Lowe, Charlie Huddy, uh, 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 Paul Coffey, and Randy Gray coming back to play? I don't think so. <laughs> Well, I want, I listened to the Oilers post-game show and they were talking about Dylan Holloway and, you know, it, they, anybody that would, like, I thought, you're, wow, you know, is it that desperate? You know, what, what happens next? Um, look at Ryan, look at some of the players, like Jesse Pugliarvi, what happened? What, what happened? Okay. And you you want to pick on Pugliarvi? Steve, I'm telling you, for the game, game one, they had two guys that were in the fight all night long. I don't care. That, that, that's 18 guys. And, and I'll give Koskinen credit because that score could have been a blowout. He made some great saves, and I know where it's at. So I'll give Koskinen a pass. Of the 18 skaters, you had two that were invested through the whole night. 
<laughs> I don't care who you are. And yeah, McDavid, that's what disappoints me. You know what? If somebody else is getting roughed house, I get it. It's McDavid. It's McDavid who got you to this point in the, in, in the playoffs. And that's what you're doing? Two out of 16, two out of 18? Good luck. Good luck. Well, that's why they're lucky. It was 6-6 six, six in the third period. Like, it was it almost was. unbelievable. And it also uh, it almost makes you go like this. Did we, are those heart trophy ballots still, like, are they warm? Are they, are they, are they on the table? Because I'd like to bring them back. Hang on a second here. I want to make a change. And uh, teacher, I just want to make a quick change and send that stuff back. Could you imagine McDavid on in our lifetime, you know, a, another club that was a dark horse that had either the fight or like, yeah, I, I'm not saying put him on the avalanche with Forsberg and Sackick. I'm not saying putting him on the wings with Eisenman and Fedorov. I'm saying right now, could you imagine McDavid just somewhere with some type of goaltending and defense, some type of chutzpah that sat there and said, no, no, no. And I and we've seen it in flashes, but last night was a tell. You know what poker? Last night the Oreos, the, the Oilers ate the Oreo cookie. Holy fuck. I I'd like to I'd like to be in the meeting over the next couple of days. I'd like to know what Connor's gonna say. I really would. Yeah, I, I I'm fascinated to watch game six adjustments happen. What I mean, coming into the series, I knew where Calgary had a had a real advantage. And now we'll wait and see how, how the Oilers adjust that. I will finish with this. 6-6. Six, six. You know that 50-50 uh, uh, lottery they have up in Edmonton during the Edmonton Oilers games? When it yeah. was 6-6, six, six, the Edmonton Oilers players should have just bought a ticket and see, because, because that's how lucky they were. They had to be feeling that we are so lucky we should get in on this 50-50 draw, which I don't know whether it gets into the millions. Just get in on it, because that's where your luck was last night. But the best thing for the Edmonton Oilers, it's one game. I talked about match play golf. You got Connor McDavid and your goaltending can't be worse than it was at the beginning of that game. So let's see what they do. Let's see how they adjust. That Calgary Flames team is a very good team. Time now for KB on Ice and Inside Look at the NHL brought to you by our friends at Sports Interaction. Sports Interaction is Canada Sportsbook 19 plus play responsibly. Mr. Button, the floor is yours. Okay, it's real easy for me. Good luck, St. Louis. Good luck. That's all I can tell you against Colorado. Colorado was just dumb. Jordan Bennington, what a performance. And seven games now for the Florida Panthers. If the playoffs are about elevating your game, what are the Florida Panthers waiting for? I don't know what they're waiting for. Tampa goes up 2 nothing. I'm picking them both. I'm picking Colorado and Tampa uh, on this Thursday night. Now I'm going to jump right into Friday. You know what? Carolina, New York Rangers. Carolina just has a way about them, don't they? The, the Kaniac kids, like, you know, they just do something. And I, I'm not going to bet against them. The Edmonton Oilers were pummeled on Wednesday night in Calgary. Don't let the score fool, fool you. They were pummeled. 97 was instrumental in, in keeping the Oilers alive for about four moments during the game and marched them for the other two. Two nothing flames after two games. So I agree with you on all four, but for the sake of my pick of an upset, I will take the Oilers, not on logic. And here's the real truth. This could be a short second round because I don't believe in any of the game one losers. 
Rangers, Oilers, Blues. The Panthers have been so underwhelming. Oh, yeah. Tampa doesn't need Braden points. This could be a short second round, which could expedite the process into the conference finals of Calgary against Colorado and Tampa Bay against Carolina. So if these losers don't show up, let us know. It'll speed us into the third round. Keep that in mind, even though I'm still taking the Oilers, because you know what? I feel like I fell off my scooter or something like that. Uh, with the most competitive odds, sports interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see everything sports betting has to offer. Head to sportsinteraction.com forward slash cool button pod. That's sportsinteraction.com forward slash cool button pod. 19 plus, play responsibly and drive safe. It couldn't have been worse for Caroline after 40 minutes. No, that's not true. It could have been worse if dot, 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 it was two nothing. Like if it was two nothing, they lose game one on a John the Baptist silver platter. Because at that point, Auntie Ranta, Auntie Ranta made so many unbelievable saves as a backup goalie. You thought to yourself, if the Canes get one, they'll get two. That might not win the game, but if they get one, they'll get two. And then the game changed. I love what Brendan Smith said in the intermission. Um, I'm not going to say what Rod Brindmore said, because didn't Rod Brindmore speak after the first period? I think what he said after the first period, he said again angrily after the second. But the Canes, who were unbelievable at home against Boston, 5-5-5-3, five, 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 they didn't have it, Craig. Sometimes you don't have it. You know, you just, you just, I'm squeezing the stick. I'm making a bad, I just don't have it today. I don't have the gym. Okay. And then they start to roll. They start to roll. And Ajo scores. You've been in that building in Raleigh. Underrated building. Underrated tailgating. And it was just a matter of time. They wouldn't won it in regulation had they not scored with 223. And then the break on Ian Cole. Sometimes these game ones are telling statistically. Right? Like, oh, you had an opportunity. Like, the Blues and Bennington wasted, wasted a performance. Well, Bennington didn't. The team did. <laughs> I thought for the Rangers, this had to be a Ranger win. And, and it just shows you, and almost, for you kids out there, the determination of saying, I don't have it today. It's not on. I got marble mouth. I got to still have a good show. Right? I, you still got to do it. I give the Canes credit for if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. Bravo, Auntie Ranta. Honestly, Craig, bravo. He was on the show, taught us a Finnish swear word. He was saying it at the end of the overtime last night in a positive way. Well, you know, it's, it, you, you just talk about, you know, how many times, Steve, do you wake up in the morning and you go, I feel 100%? Yeah, 82% of the time. Well, that's great because you're in, a, you're in a rare, rarefied air. Most people, it's easy to be 100% when you're feeling 100%, right? players and teams are not always going to be at hundred percent, but how do you get a hundred percent out of whatever you have? So I would say the Carolina hurricanes in the first two periods, like they were playing at 60%, right. And they hung around and hung around, right. You found a way to win a game when you were absolutely less than your best. You found a way to stay in a game when you were less than your best. You found a way to merge the, the victor, by ramping up your game when it mattered, by realizing there's an opportunity here. You know, when we talk about St. Louis, and we'll get to them in a second, right? Like, you know, Jordan Bennington was great, right? And Ranta was great. And, but 
Carolina finds a way. Unlike game one, Rangers-Penguins, where Shesterkin was lights out brilliant, right? That was a game. If, if the New York Rangers are sitting there going, we got to win a game in Carolina anyway to win this series. And we had so many good chances, and we had an opportunity there, and we came out with nothing. There's no way Carolina's coming back with an effort like that again. And that, that, that to me is, is what doesn't bode well for the New York Rangers. <laughs> yeah, I, Craig, I'm totally with you. And I love your analogy. You know, give me everything you've got that day. And I hate when broadcasters say effort. No, no, no. Don't confuse effort and execution and how much gas they have. You think the Canes didn't care through two periods? You think Tony D'Angelo coughed up that puck to, to Lafreniere on purpose? You think they, like, that's not the case. So as they kept on it with trying to change the, the, the narrative of the game, I thought one of the best plays was the, the pass to Niederreiter. He hit the crossbar. Oh, my God. Great chance. Uh, Ajo was brilliant. Like, maybe the Rangers have the A-plus players with Fox and Zibanejad, Panarin, and Shesterkin. But, but the relentless Canes kept on coming. And, yeah, one of the, one of the big moments, Capocacco misses an empty net. I get it. And the winning goal, Cole spins and fires. And Ryan Lindgren, God love him, God love him, tips it into his own net. Like, it couldn't go worse. Craig, I don't know what you think about losing and you've had playoff losses. I'm not saying I'd rather be the Oilers, don't get me wrong. I, I think I'd rather lose to Mario and the Penguins 8 nothing. Then then two one. I mean, the Rangers overcame the triple overtime game, so I'll get that. That was crushing. But then Sid missed a game and a half last night. How the Rangers pick up their boots to go into game two? I will give them credit. Like you couldn't write a worse script in the last five minutes of the regulation and into overtime for it. That was a crushing blow. Now we'll see what the leadership group of the Rangers can do. Uh, Gerard Glenn said, we can't play any better than we did for 40 minutes. And I agree with him. Well, do you know what? Okay. So like, so, so it's great, right? Like, you know what? Like, I don't like that comment. Oh, you said you wouldn't say I've said it. I would have never said it. Okay. I would have never said it. Why, why would you tell your team we can play no better than we did for the first 40 minutes? Why? Why? Because now your team is going, well, okay, that's the best we can. Now you're, you're always trying to put even incremental like improvements it just we just need to be better here you know when the flames i, I forget what game it was i was asked i was doing a, i was doing a, a radio spot and i was asked what the flame i said they just have to be two percent better in some areas two percent better in getting you know to rebounds two percent better in getting people it's not 20 percent better it's not but but like you know every game has to be about how, how do we get a little bit better so when you come out and say i don't know if we can play any better okay i celebrate what you did well but anyway and I, i'm nitpicking and don't, don't get no no you're here. right you know why i think you're it's brilliant you know why because you know what it made me think john cooper he said the least didn't win the game we lost the game we dot 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 tampa bay lightning we decide the fate of games not them we did gerard galant should have said we lost the game we have to be better in game two and we have to manage the puck better. Your comments about Patrick Waugh never saying his name bugged Patrick Waugh. I'm Patrick Waugh. 
I'm Patrick Wall. That broadcaster on the score, the loud guy. No, say my name. Don't say my name. That would bug me. Say my name, Patrick. <laughs> say my name. I'm Patrick Wall. I think Gerard Gallant was also caught in the headlines. I think I think they were in shock. I'm with you. Cooper said, no, no, we lost the game. They didn't take it from us. We lost. We, the Rangers, lost the game in the third. Bad covering outside the dots. So I'm with you on that. I don't think that's nitpicky. I'm... I'm going to put that in my notes. <laughs> <laughs> so let me, so it's amazing. And young defensemen, this is part of, you know, the great Jacques Lapierre always talked about young defensemen. He says, you might be playing in the league at 20, 21, 22, whatever, but you're still apprenticing. You're still learning. You're still trying to get better. And by the time you're 23, 24 now in today's game, that's when you really come into your own. What Keandre Miller was doing at one, nothing like, like, he, he is not the right winger. <laughs> He's a defenseman, but that's a, that's a young defenseman's mistake. That's a young defenseman's overzealousness of trying to do something. And like, I mean, when you go back and you, and you, first of all, I'm watching and I'm going, oh, well, what's he doing there? And then sure enough, and then you watch the replay. And he's the last guy to come into the picture after, after Truba and the three forwards. That tells you all you needed to know about a, a, a crucial mistake at, at, a really, at a really crucial time of the game. Developmental, but that's what happens with young defensemen. They, they make those mistakes. Like what, what I call it was, it was a mistake of commission. He was trying to do too much. What did the best defensemen learn how to do? Just, I got the game, <laughs> right? Yeah. We're not going to, I don't need to do anything more. I just need to stay right here, right? And like, you know, I remember Daryl Sutter. I'll go to Daryl Sutter. Daryl Sutter told me this about Chris Chelios when he had him in Chicago. He said, Chelios was unbelievable. He goes, if we were playing the first game and we had a back-to-back -back and we had to travel and we were up by two or three goals, he said, Chris Chelios just sat back, flipped the puck up, flipped it off the glass. So he goes, he looked like just a regular everyday defenseman. He says, but if the game was in the balance, Chris was the guy making the difference. Understanding, understanding, understanding. That's what Jacques LaPerrier talked about with young defensemen. I feel for Keandre Miller because I think he's, he, I think he's a terrific, terrific uh, uh, guy. He's, a, he's just a really good, promising young defenseman. He's only going to get better, but that was a crucial mistake. Yeah, and, and that brings up a lot of things, and we've talked about this before. I think you used the phrase... Uh, what you just described was Chris Chelios playing what I call rocking chair hockey. Yeah. Um, right. Uh, and you've talked about Pronger doing it. And a oh. guy that gets not enough credit, um, Jay Bowmeister. Jay Bowmeister was great at getting in the way. Right. And that's really what defense is all about. And on that play, it reminded me because so many hockey thoughts are going through your mind. Ken Hitchcock, the beautifully produced film of the O2 Olympic team. Because before that, where would I ever see and hear Ken Hitchcock really get into X's and O's strategy? And the first thing he did at the whiteboard in the orientation camp was color everything inside the dots and said this, and I just soaked it up, Craig. I just soaked it up and defending outside of the dot. And I get it because there's times in modern hockey, if I, as a defenseman, and pressuring you outside the dot, I better see in this case a Ranger sweater picking up what my trouble will be over my left shoulder. There, there, there wasn't. It was overzealous. He just said yes. He'll, and he was brilliant against the Penguins. 
He scored a huge goal. He drew the overtime. Like, so, and, and you're right. So you, you kind of live and die with it. Um, and let's see how the Rangers respond. I'm more worried for Florida and St. Louis. People, oh, everybody that's down one nothing, you're worried. That in overtime, Colorado, oh. you think Calgary Edmonton was a sh- kicking? <laughs> they wasted Bennington. And there was a show, Bruce, in the 70s called The Tell the Truth. Who's telling the truth? And they have people stand up. I'd like the real Florida Panthers, the team that finished first. Could they stand up? Craig, they played seven games. They've used two of their cats' lives. Oh, my God. I am not impressed with the Florida Panthers, these players. Neither am I, Steve. Neither am I. You know, again, talking about coaches, Andrew Brunette, after the game, said, I, 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 liked, I, I liked a lot of the things we did in the game tonight. I, I, I had to rewind it. To think like, like, I'm trying to think like, what would he be like? The pregame warm up? <laughs> like, like, you know, the postgame meal? I don't know what I, 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 I like. I, I've heard this time and time again, Steve, you know, where coaches after a game go, yeah, if we play like that, uh, we'll be okay. Uh, no, you won't. No, you won't. No, no, you're not going to be okay. Don't fool yourself. You know, just don't fool yourself. And I think a lot of times, you know, and, and, and maybe it's just what, what they feel they have to say, but don't say anything at all. Seven games, underwhelming. I, 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 I continue to say this about the Florida Panthers. Playoffs are about elevating your game. They're 0 for 7 in the playoffs. They're 0 for 7. They have not elevated the game. And, you know, you can talk about a lot of different things, you know. And, I mean, it's funny, too. Like, when you're playing lesser teams – you're going to be able to come back and you're going to be able to find your way back into a game against good teams. Good luck. And, you know, you're watching the Tampa Bay lightning just kind of just press down, keep pressing and pressing and pressing. Let me ask you this in the game. Huberto makes a great play on the first goal. It's a great play. Okay. Vasilevsky makes a great save on uh, Claude Giroux on, on a one-timer, right? Barkov had a few moments. Tell me where the moments were. For, for, for their players. Like, where were their moments? Like, the moments I, were, I can't think of very many. The moments were negative moments. Leaving garbage in a face-off circle. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, a power play that hasn't scored yet. Right? Hasn't scored yet. Because of some lack of moments. You know, Aaron Ekblad on a, on a botched zone entry without Braden Point. Brian Engblom came on the show and he said the details of the game, Braden Point and Kucherov on the drop back, they go back and forth to gain the zone entry. Well, the puck comes up the ice with Kucherov. He's with Corey Perry. He's not passing to Perry in the zone entry. Like, right? Like, understand, inside the blue lines, Perry's not getting that puck. Ekblad should know it's Kucherov. He bites. That's a bad moment. Ryan Lomberg on the faceoff's a bad moment. Bad moment, bad moment, bad moment. All I see are bad moments. Uh, and they were saved because Hathaway hit the nets or missed the net, hit the side of the net. They were saved because a puck bounced to the Reinhardt. It, it's not been good. It's not been good. And you talk about moments. I'm waiting for the Panthers moment. Yeah, maybe, me too. Maybe, maybe it was for Hagee in overtime. Okay, that's great. These aren't the Capitals. This is not the Capitals. So, oh, we better see some moments. Better see some moments. That's the way I look at it with Florida. Um, I'm intrigued. 
I'm intrigued. And I think that sometimes, you know, we talk about coaching, we talk about players with, you can't drag 16 players into a fight. You can't sprinkle fairy dust on guys to, to produce magic moments. And there's a lot of talent there, Craig. Yes, there's there a is. lot of talents. Well, I'm not going to, I'm certainly not going to write off the Florida Panthers, you know, because I, because you're right. They have a lot of talent and, you know, if anybody, if anybody can raise their game and elevate their game, you have to believe it is the Florida Panthers. I think back to the series last year versus Tampa Bay, and that was a competitive, competitive series. Brian Engblom told me, he said he, in all his years of broadcasting, not playing, he said in all his years of broadcasting, he never, ever saw as vicious and competitive a series as Florida Tampa Bay. If, game one didn't have any of that. Game one, and I'm, it, it, and to me, that's where I was waiting for Florida to, to to kind of assert themselves and say, "Yeah, we know we were here last year. We know you won the cup." We're, we're, they never served notice to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Can they? I think they can. I'm not going to write them off, but zero, they're zero for seven in terms of me. I know they had their moments against Washington, but in terms of elevating their game, I haven't seen it. Yeah, that's a great point by you. I'm actually. I'm, I'm going to watch for that. And if they did things that were Calgary-like and lost and said, don't worry, we're going to take pounds of flesh from you as we move forward. <laughs> we're going to hit Kucherov and company. Don't worry. Uh, you know, instead, they let Hedman play 26 minutes, power play penalty kill. So it perfectly works out for on this Lemieux episode of serving notice. The Avalanche served notice. They serve notice from the start of the regular season. They serve notice from the start of the playoffs. They serve notice in round one. They serve notice, if not for a bad change, that wouldn't have been an overtime game. Nice play by Jordan Cairo, and I love the guy. Having him on your third line is great. But the Avalanche served notice from the end of the Star Spangled Banner. The Blues were fortunate to be in overtime. And in overtime, the Avalanche were the killer whale and the baby seal were the blue note. Simple as that. Simple as it was just a matter of time. And we had Andy Strickland on yesterday. He said, wow, I, I'm blown away by the avalanche and so are the blues. Now, Mr. Barube, what's your move on the chess table as you look down and say, hmm, looks like a checkmate. Two moves away, three moves from a checkmate, Craig. This is intriguing to me as well. Okay. For, for me, Steve, and I think this is a big part of the St. Louis Blues, they have to recognize what, 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 what the greatest problem they're facing. And to me, the biggest challenge they have versus the uh, Colorado Avalanche is Colorado's transition game. Colorado can, can be behind their own net with the puck, and it can be a scoring chance in five seconds. <laughs> five seconds. That's how, and they, their defense are part of the a part of the transition. Whether they have the puck or whether they don't have the puck, they become part of the breakout, and they're going like it, it. It is so impressive to watch. I think the Blues have to play how they did in 2019. That puck's just going to continue to come back down below the goal line. That puck's just. We are just going to play a game where the puck's just going to keep coming back there. It's going to keep. I mean, you think about how many times the St. Louis Blues tried to make a play. Braden Shen, right off the beginning of the game, starts to play right back into the slot. 
there goes McKinnon. <laughs> like, like if you want to feed oxygen into that transition attack, Braden Shen, there's lots of clips that you can show. They got to play how they did in 2019. They got to play. They got to take the puck and just, they got to have that puck be beat up along the boards, along the dash or below the goal line continuously. Like if, if there's no wide open guy with nobody in between you and that wide open guy in the slot, we're not making a pass into the slot. We're not doing it because they're Colorado's going to eat them alive on the transition. If they don't recognize that they can't feed the trend, they're, they're, they're going to have to play a methodical offensive zone game below the dots. Well, and they slightly changed their team since 2019. Yeah. Some guys are gone. That'll be a harder game for Cairo to play, but they still have Barbashev, Perron, Shen, um, O'Reilly, Bozak. So they still have enough of that to say, well, they if, do. We if we don't do that, we're going to lose. And you brought, you brought up the, the transition game. So clearly one of the other wow factors, you know, everyone's involved in their own series. But to me, and this kind of transitions from the beginning of the show, okay, McCarr and Taves, best pair in the league. If Team Canada was going to hockey war right now, they'd be a pair. The second pair, Samuel Gerrard and Eric Johnson. Okay, um, Johnson wasn't there last year. Wasn't there. Darcy Kemper wasn't there last year. They lost two years ago with Michael Hutchinson. God bless him. Oh, third pair. <laughs> Bo Byram. Bo Byram is the kid at Disneyland, and the parents say, go wherever you want. You want cotton candy? Go get it. Go <laughs> on the ride? Go get it. They, they got no Bo. Bo Byram is almost as good as Tory Krug is now, and Krug's not even in the lineup. Bo Byram changes when he's held. Craig, God rest my soul, if he played 82 games, he, it would, him and Mo Sider. I think it would have been him and Mo Sider. I, I, I really believe that. And they, they have other defensemen who aren't dressed, when they go healthy nine deep with Murray, McDermott, uh, and the other Johnson, and just in case, just in case, that group of nine, unbelievable. Like, so do what you want up front. Do what you think you're – you think Callie Rosen and, and, and Nico Mikola. Mikola. Wow. And, and, and they've been okay. And they went ten defensemen. And God loves Scandella and Bertuzzo, like all that stuff. But th th there's no Petrangelo. There's no Bowmeister. Big factor is the defense. Edmondson, I, I, but but I, I get that. That's why you got to play the game in, in in Colorado zone with the yeah. the puck has to stay below the dots. I know that I'm not talking about playing heavy. I'm just saying like you know what the puck's going to stay there. We're not going to feed the transition. It's got to be methodical. You forgot to mention Josh Manson, who wasn't there last year either. Oh. He happened to score the winning goal. Okay, <laughs> but it's okay. It's okay. Like, you know, uh, you know, but like, like, think about that. Okay. No Eric Johnson last year, no Josh Manson, no Darcy Kemper. They lose uh cadre, right? Like this team is built. Jared, Jared Bednar is, is a top notch coach. And you know what? One of the things I love about Jared is that he says to the players, here's how we're playing. Now go and play. He, he doesn't say, Oh, Bo, you're a young player. Don't play that way. He says, this is the way we play. And if you want to be in the lineup and you want to play, this is how we play. I mean, and, and the other thing I want to say too, we talk about the brilliance and this, how spectacular Connor McDavid is. Nathan McKinnon is an M 
pack player. I, I, I know that that's obvious. He, he has developed so much, not just, you know, as an elite, one of the best offensive players in the game, but his ability to use his skating now without the puck to create turnovers and disrupt opponents. I mean, I'm telling you, it, it really is special to watch. And, you know, you watch those guys skate and they want to be a different, they want to be difference makers. I mean, so, I mean, McCarr, Rantanen, you know, you have uh, McKinnon. Uh, we talk about Bo Byron, who I think has got a chance to be great. Little, little, I'll finish with this, little Bo Byron fact. First defenseman in the history of the Western Hockey League to lead the Western Hockey League playoffs in scoring. And he nearly got Vancouver the Western Hockey League championship before they lost in overtime to Prince Albert in game seven. You want to talk about one of the great, great playoff runs by up. And he, it was in his draft year. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, on this Mario episode, Joe Sackick and Mario played together, right, to World Cup 2004. To bring in Josh Manson on the second pair, he scored, obviously, as did Samuel Gerrard. Uh, Arturi Lekkinen, um, big fan of uh, the, the multidimensional player. Uh, they're in good shape. They're in very good shape. The first game losers in round two are not. How they respond or don't, clearly a storyline going into the weekend. Time now for final thoughts brought to you by Ultimate Hockey Fans. Not a person or a group of people. A must for every hockey basement. UltimateHockeyFans.com forward slash cool button pod for your discount. I'm not rubbing it in on the Soissons Seas Maryland View moments. I was there at 87, so obviously 87 Canada Cup are among my best Mario moments. How he didn't win the heart in 89. I'm sorry, Mario, 199 points. But clearly, as you said, when Mario walked into the rink for games four, oh, five, six. five, and six, you know what he said? I'm not leaving without <laughs> that trophy. Congratulations, Soissons, Mario Lemieux. I got to tell you a funny story. Okay. It's kind of thing. Like, you know, it's funny. You, you know, the ads we're seeing now, we want the cup. What, what happened in 91 is Mario said, the cup's mine. <laughs> <laughs> and I, did, I mean, it was, he didn't play game three. He did not play game three in that series. And we, our team in Minnesota went up two games to one. Unbelievable player. I went with my father. He was uh, uh, working with the Washington Capitals at the time as their assistant manager. And he, uh, we went to a junior game in Laval. Now I was younger. I had, I mean, kids I played against were there. And so I, I went with him to watch uh, Mario. I, I believe it was in, it was in his draft year. And uh, I think Mario, if I recall correctly, I think Mario had like four goals and three assists. Their team lost. They might've lost. I mean, it might've been 11, seven, 11, eight. I don't even remember, but I, I remember but all I kept hearing, you know, from the scouts, you know, cause I was with my dad. Oh, Mary Lemieux, that guy, can you believe that guy? You want to put your you want to put your franchise on that guy's shoulders and everything. I remember driving home with my dad. I said, I'm not getting this. This guy just scored four goals and three assists. It might have been five goals. I, I forget exactly. And I'm going, what is like I cannot like like there was nobody close to him. My dad said, you know, Craig, he says, sometimes people just don't appreciate greatness. Well, shame on them. Um because it was nothing but greatness oh. from shift one, October 84, <laughs> Pete Peters, welcome to the National Hockey League. Numero 66, Mario Lemieux, and episode 66, we'd like to think we put the biscuit in the basket. So much fun 
And the time just flew by, as it did in Mario's brilliant career. For producer Bruce Bolton, for Mr. Craig Button, who was at Game 1, Battle of Alberta, and will be at Game 2. I'm Steve Coolius. Thanks for listening and sort of watching on the socials. We're back with episode 67 next week. Cheers.